welcome to church. So good to be with you all. Man, who's excited to be in church this morning? I know I am. Y'all ready? We, like Eric mentioned, today we are in the third and the final week of our Tuning Out the Noise series. And honestly, I've got a message just burning on my heart this morning. And um, if I could be honest, it's maybe a little bit more raw and real, challenging, maybe a little close to home this morning. As I was practicing last night and this morning, I was like, ooh, this is a little heavier than I was expecting it to come out. But so I, expect, I, I encourage you to lean in with expectancy to hear. I really believe it's, it's a message that the Lord has for, this, for us this morning, but it is a little um, challenging, a little raw and real. In this series, we've been talking about how um, statistics say that the average American hears 4,000 to 10,000 messages every single day. There's a lot of noise in our life. And the question that we're asking this morning is, how are those voices influencing our life? We're hearing 4,000 to 10,000 voices and messages and images and news updates and opinions and all kinds of things. And so that's a lot. But how is all of this noise and all of these voices influencing us? Because the truth is, what comes in our eye gate, what comes in our ear gate, affects how we think. We think about the image that we saw again. We think about the podcast we listened to again. We think about it. And if we think about it long enough, it starts to seep into our heart. And if it hangs out in our heart long enough, it starts to create a belief system and a conviction, whether it's based on the word of God or not. And if it's in our heart long enough, we know that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Pastor Eric talked about last week how our tongue is like the rudder on a ship. It's like a bit in a horse's mouth that leads the direction of that thing. So if we let these things stick in our heart and form beliefs, it's going to come out of our heart, out of our mouth as a confession that leads our life. So we got to be careful with what we allow in our eyes allow, and what we allow in our ears because it has influence on us whether we realize it or not. We got to be thinking about what is coming in our ear gate all day long. What are the podcasts that we're listening to? What are the news or the news anchors that we're listening to? What are the lyrics of the songs that we're allowing ourselves to listen to? What are the news headlines? What are the people that we hear all day long? Our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers. Who are those people that we hear their voice often? And what are they saying often? What is the message that they're communicating to us frequently? What's coming in our eye gate? What are the images that we're seeing on a daily basis? Who are the influencers on social media that we follow closely? And what are they posting? And, and what are they podcasting or whatever it is? What are the YouTube channels that we follow? What are the YouTube videos that we seem that pop up on our explore, right? Movies, TV, video games. What are the content we're consuming all day long? And for the parents in the room, what is the content that your kids are consuming all day long? Man, kids have access to so much content nowadays, but are we intentional to put a guard over what they have access to? Is there filters on our tablets and on our TVs and all of that? 
Because what our kids see in here affects their heart just like it affects our hearts. An honest question I sometimes ask myself is, if Jesus was physically in the room with me right now, would I be proud of this content that I am consuming? Is this content, you know, scripture says, think of things that are lovely and true and good. Is this content lovely and true and good? Is this content anti-God in any way? Is there anything about this message that is a little bit anti-God or anti-church? Is there anything in this content that I'm absorbing in these messages and these noises that I'm allowing myself to hear and see? Anything in them that is causing hatred or lust or jealousy or greed in my heart? It's so important that we're aware of the noise that we're allowing into our life because it doesn't just bounce off us. It comes in and and it affects our mind and it affects our heart and so it affects the direction of our life. And even if it definitely affects also our relationship with God. So the foundational scripture for this series is John 10, 27 through 28. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That is so comforting. Out of all of the voices and all of the noise in the world, as believers, Jesus said that we know his voice and we follow him. And Jesus says, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. When we hear God's voice, when we follow God's voice, we're not snatched out of his hand. So this scripture that we've been reading all series is in John 10. It's towards the end of uh, uh, many scriptures where Jesus is painting this illustration of him being the shepherd and we're the sheep. Earlier on in this passage, at the beginning of John 10, um, he says the same thing in a little bit of a different way. I want to read it to you guys. John 10, 4 through 5, Jesus said this along the same lines. He said, and when he brings out his sheep, talking about Jesus, our shepherd, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We, we learned that in the other scripture, right? Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. So core truth in this series is that we know God's voice. We follow God's voice. And when we do that, that we're, we, will, we shall never perish. We'll have eternal life. We'll never be snatched out of our Father's hands. This scripture expounds on it and says, and, you're, and you don't know and you don't follow a stranger's voice. Because the stranger's voice is trying to snatch you out of my hand. So this morning, the voice of this morning's message is the voice of strangers. But before we get into it, let's pray, and then I want to share a story. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we want to be following your voice and only your voice. We know that you are the source of eternal life. We want to be firmly in the grasp of your hand, Lord. And so, Lord, make us aware of the strangers' voices around us. We don't want to know them. We don't want to be familiar with them. And we definitely don't want to follow them. So, Lord, thank you that you open up our eyes this morning and give us clarity on the influence of the voices around us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys doing good? All right, so quick little story time. Some of you guys know, story time about Eric and I. Some of you guys know Eric and I have known each other since middle school. I could could make this story a lot longer than I'm going to. We're going to go Spark Notes version. So we've known each other since middle school. 
We started dating senior year of high school. He was one of three guys taller than me in middle school. I'm the same height I was in eighth grade. <laughs> so anyways, um, so we started dating senior year of high school, and then we dated long distance in college. And so for four years of college, I was at Spring Arbor University. Eric was at Northwood University playing basketball. We did the long distance relationship for four years, and we survived. Praise the Lord. Um, and so... Um, like, I graduated one. I can't remember who graduated first. But anyways, like, the week after we graduated college, we got married. We were so excited to be married. We went on a honeymoon for two weeks and then came back and loaded up a moving truck and moved down to Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to Bible school. That's, like, super spark notes. So here we are in Tulsa, newly married, and we're getting our apartment all set up, and we're so excited to, we're so excited to, like, be in the same town. We haven't been in the same town in four years. We're just, like, we're in the same town, and we're not only in the same town, but we're, like, living in the same apartment because we're married, and this is amazing. We were, like, full-on newlywed honeymoon stage, and just so happy to be married and together. So anyways, our apartment's all set up, and Bible classes are going to start in a couple weeks, and I'll never forget this moment early in our marriage. We were, um, I don't know what we were doing, but Eric was in the office and he called me over because he got an inbox message on Facebook from somebody. And it was from a female that he knew at college and she was in his church group. And it was a super like, it was an okay, it was a totally fine message. It was like, hey, I hope you're doing good. It was just a casual, hey, how are you doing type of a message. But it was the first time that kind of message came from a woman other than me since we had been married. And I'll never forget, it was a marked moment in our relationship. And side note on this girl, she was great, and she was part of the church group and all of that, and they were all friends together. I knew her. But we also knew that there was a season in college that she had romantic interest in him. And so it was more than, we knew that there was more there, you know? And so it was a marked moment early on in our marriage where we had a recognition of, oh, this, our, our marriage is holy and set apart and really special, and our interactions with the opposite sex are forever changed. I mean, they were forever changed when we were dating, but like, there's not room for this casual type of inboxing, DMing, Right? And so I remember that was a marked moment for us. I don't even remember if you responded or what happened, but it was a marked moment that we realized, oh, wow, we got to be on our guard that we can't just let anybody in slide into our DM. Um, you didn't say that back then. It was like AOL. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, we're going we're gonna to have a, a marriage series, marriage and relationship series in October. It's going to be super great. Mark your calendar. Don't miss a Sunday. But side note, marriage tip, like, there's just a boundary, right, with um, relationships with the opposite sex. It can't be casual and private. Um, social media is now a factor in one out of every seven divorces. So in a healthy marriage, we cling to the voice of our spouse. And we're intentional not to heed or follow voices of strangers. You guys get where I'm going? Because our relationship with our spouse is set apart, it's holy. And I share this story because God's the same way. God says, I wanna be your only source. 
I want to be your only lover. I want to be the only thing that you worship. I want to be the only thing that has your attention captivated. If we choose to follow Jesus and know his voice and follow his voice, he has a healthy and righteous jealousy towards us that we not follow the voice of a stranger, that no stranger's voice is popping up in our DM. And this is like core, essential, Christianity doctrine 101. But it gets overlooked easily. I don't know if you remember the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses in the Old Testament. God was forming his relationship with Israel, and he took Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments. And the goal of the Ten Commandments was, hey, I love you guys, and I want to make sure you guys understand how our relationship is going to work, God and his people. And the very first commandment is this, in Exodus 21 through 3, and God spoke all these things saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. God says, commandment number one, the only way this is going to work is you shall have no other gods before me. God says, hey, I am your God. I'm your creator. I'm the one that miraculously rescued you out of Egypt. If this thing is going to work, I want to make sure you know I've got good plans for you. I'm for you and I'm not against you. But I've got to be your only God. I've got to be the only thing that you're putting your trust in. I've got to be the only one that you're um, putting your worship towards. He goes on to list Ten Commandments, but that's the number one. First things first, I need to be your only God. Only thing you worship, your only source, the only thing you put your trust in. Jesus is saying something similar in John 10 where he's saying, I'm your shepherd. You follow my voice and no other voices. Don't follow the voice of a stranger. I'm your shepherd and no one else. Kind of like I told Eric, I'm your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua 24:15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the god of the Amorites whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God saying, I'm your only leader, I'm the only voice you follow, I'm the only one you worship. Jesus said it this way, I am the way the truth, and the life. None come to the Father except through me, only Jesus. So God tells his people through Moses, you shall have no other gods before me. So like, what does that mean in practical terms? Like back in the day, there really was false gods with a lowercase g. And so back in the time of the Old Testament, um, there was the false god Baal. And they would worship and build temples and give sacrifices and, and money towards this make-believe God, Baal, because they thought that he had the power to give them financial success and wealth. So they put their trust in Baal, and they literally worshipped him. There was Ashtoreth, who was the goddess of sex and romance and reproduction, and they do the same thing if that was what they needed. They thought she was their source for those things. 
Dagon was the false god of water and grain. And the people of the Old Testament, God was saying, don't put your faith and trust in these make-believe gods or idols. They would build statues for them and temples. And he, like, this is just make-believe. You're putting your trust in something that doesn't have the ability to produce for you. But you're so desperate for these different things in your life that you're looking for someone to meet them. God's saying, I am the only one that can meet these needs in your life. I'm the only one that has any kind of real power to help. Amen. So nowadays we don't really have Baal or Dagon in the same way, but we have other things, other little g-gods, other, other stranger voices that are trying to vie for our attention, our worship, our adoration. What would be a little g-god or what would be a stranger's voice? For the screen I've got it, a little g-god would be the object of your worship other than God the Father, right? The object of your worship, trust, and attention. So we all have hobbies and interests and things that we're interested in, right? We all have things that are a part of our life other than God. I love celebrating our boys just started football yesterday. I'm so excited for Saturday mornings. I can't wait for football season. We love celebrating our kids' sports and activities and cheering them on. You know, I love meeting new people and hosting parties. I love working out at Orange Theory. I love creating and pioneering things. I love keeping track of international news and politics. I love gardening. I love designing things. I love making memories with my family. There's lots of things that have my attention and lots of things that I enjoy and that are hobbies, and there's nothing wrong with that. You guys all do as well, right? However, when one of these hobbies or interests or relationships or belief systems start to become more valuable to me than God, that's when these things start to take up time and space and even days of the week that belong to God. When these things start to become my source or the place of my trust, I put my trust or the place I receive peace, the, the place I receive provision, then they are, then, then, then Jesus, then I'm starting to worship these things. You guys following it? So, um, and it starts to become a stranger voice that we're not supposed to follow. And so there's lots of different false gods. There's lots of different stranger voices that we could talk about this morning. I'm going to talk about three that I think are really prevalent that I just want to give a name to and just put on all of our radar to make sure that we're not being influenced by these stranger voices. But before I do, I just want to make a side note about this. I want to frame it a little bit. Because we know... We have personal relationship with Jesus, many of us in the room. We know God is very real. In the same way, Satan is very real. And the person behind the stranger's voice is Satan. So it's just good to recognize that. Um, Jesus came that we might have a life and have it more abundantly. The thief enemy, Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so God says, you know my voice and you follow my voice and you will never perish. You'll have eternal life and you won't be snatched out of my hand. But don't follow the stranger's voice because the goal of the stranger's voice is to snatch you out of my hand. And here's the deal that we need to make sure we're keen on is that it's not like the stranger's voice is going to come in the form of a flyer in your mailbox inviting you to the local satanic temple next weekend. Like, he doesn't work that bluntly because you would see it coming, right? He's not trying to get you through a Facebook ad for the satanic temple. That's too obvious. 
He's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, and no wonder, Satan does it all the time. He dresses up as a beautiful angel of light. So it shouldn't surprise us. He is the deceiver, accuser of the brethren. He's such, a li- he's such a liar, but he does it in a twisted way. The same way that he came to Eve in the garden. God said, don't eat from this, ap- this tree. It's not good. When you eat from it, you'll surely die. Satan comes, and he doesn't blatantly say, God is bad, and I am good, and you should follow me. He says, oh, I don't know. Like, it doesn't look that bad. I'm sure if you ate it, like, you'd still be good. He does it covertly and on the sly in a deceiving way. So these things that we're talking about this morning, at first when you hear them, like maybe when you heard the story of some random friend from college inboxing Eric, you're like, no big deal. Like, what's the big deal? Just a little wedge. It usually starts, the stranger's voice usually starts as a little wedge that becomes a slippery slope really quick. Can we talk about these stranger voices? All right, you guys ready? Let's buckle up. Stranger voice number one, self-worship. Self-worship. What is self-worship? It's when we think what, it's, it's what, it's when what I think and believe and feel is supreme over what God thinks and speaks. This is so prevalent in society, guys, and it's so sneaky because it can sound really good. Another way to say it would be self-deification, self-God. The New Age movement teaches that we have everything in ourselves necessary to achieve fulfillment. We don't need anything outside of ourself. Within ourself, we can have enlightenment and fulfillment. The self, self-worship teaches that you are your highest good, not God. Self-worship, self-deification teaches that we exist to guide ourselves, to heal ourselves, and to fulfill our own desires. You guys tracking? Self-worship is so prevalent in culture, it is the little, one of the major little G gods or stranger voices in our world today that Satan's trying to use to deceive a whole generation. Scripture says that we are to love ourselves. We know this from Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The Ten Commandments were summarized into two when Jesus came. All the Ten Commandments hinge on, can be fulfilled when we love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And number two, when we love our neighbor as ourself. We can't love our neighbor until we have a healthy love for self. We have a healthy love for self, not because we are the supreme good, but because we know that we are loved from the supreme good. So we are to have a healthy love for self. Self is, self-care is good, and, and all of those kinds of things are good. Sabbath, God, God was the one that invented the whole thing, guys. Sabbath, and take a, take a break, and have quiet time, and all of the things that modern culture is trying to say that they created. God created self-care, but it's, it's from um, a position of dependence on him. 
Second Timothy 3, 1 says, but Mark, this are, um, there will be terrible times in the last days and people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. We are living in days when people have an unhealthy love of self. Self. Making themselves the god of their own world. We've got selfies. It's our generation that created the word selfie. And YouTube. And Facebook book. Nowadays, it's common to hear phrases like, live your own truth. Find your own truth. Whatever you feel is truth, is what culture says. Whatever you believe is truth. When truth is relative to how you feel, you become your own God because you are the source of your own truth. You have been deceived and you yourself have become the stranger's voice that you are following. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, stop deceiving yourselves. That phrase is in scripture a lot. Don't deceive yourself. We can be deceived by others, but we can deceive ourselves. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to truly be wise. Jesus is all about people living their most authentic lives. God's the one that knit us together in our mother's womb. God's the one that gave us, gave us gifts and callings and purposes that are irrevocable. He's the one that knows the number of hairs on our head. None of us are the same. We are the way our creator made us. And God wants us to discover the way that he made us, which is our most authentic self in him. But when people start determining their authentic self outside of their awareness of their maker, they become the God of their own universe. Nowadays, if you feel like a dog, then that is truth because you are the source of your own truth. Romans 12, 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of yourself. No. We renew our mind to find our authentic self according to the will, good and perfect will of God. You guys tracking? So are there voices in your life that are telling you that you are your own source of truth? If so, go ahead and unsubscribe to that podcast. Go ahead and unfollow that influencer. Go ahead and stop listening to the lyrics of that song. Run and run far, far away. This voice of self-worship is the voice of a stranger. It's a voice that's cloaked in doing what you think is good and doing what you think is going to make you feel good. But really, it's a trap. It's a trap from the pit of hell that's only out to steal, kill, and destroy, and ultimately to put a wedge between you and your relationship with God and to snatch you out of his hand. You guys tracking? It can start off really fun and really self-discovery, 
I'm still a Christian, but I'm like seeking my own truth and finding my own authentic self. And yeah, on Sunday I go to church, but like, and then all of the sudden you realize I know better than God. Why am I even going to church? Why am I even in that small group? Like my truth is my truth. It's a wedge. It's a trap. You guys following? Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. Following Jesus's voice is the only path to a truly fulfilled life. You guys still doing good? All right, let's shake out our arms. All right, stranger voice. It doesn't get easier either. <laughs> this is really, really, this is the, the seed of what God burdened us for this series. So I really hope you guys um, are here with open mind. Voice of a stranger number two, counterfeit spirituality. Counterfeit spirituality, what is that? It's when we put our faith in any force, energy, or unseen thing that source is not Jesus. You guys doing good? So it's important to know that there's no neutral energy on earth. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of Satan. There is the kingdom of light and there is the kingdom of darkness. There's no like neutral Zen energy. Energy or vibes or whatever you want to call it either comes from the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. And when it comes from the kingdom of Satan, it doesn't always have horns on it and look creepy. Like sometimes, oftentimes, there's Zen energy moments that are actually from this kingdom but it's putting on a cloak like it's not that bad and it's actually good for you. You guys tracking? In modern culture, there's all forms of spirituality that call on some kind of energy or meditative force or karma or vibe or atmosphere to bring comfort, healing, or direction apart from Jesus. Or saying that Jesus is one pathway of many to healing or peace or direction. The names are manifestations of all these counterfeit spiritualities. There's too many to name. There's so many right now. But new age practices, various meditative practices that do not involve Jesus as the source. Good vibes, good energy, certain yoga practices. I know there's many different um, yoga practices out there that are holy yoga. It's focused on Jesus, which is awesome metaphysics, astrology, Hinduism, Buddhism, spiritual energy in a physical object, like believing that somehow this crystal has spiritual energy that's helping you, or somehow this tree or this mountain has spiritual energy that's giving you power. Any experience with any unseen force that's not Jesus. So if you have dabbled in this or you are interested in this or you're following this or you're practicing something along these lines, I want to encourage you to pause and say, okay, where in the Bible does it say that what I'm doing is true? Where in the Bible does it say that there's power that comes from trees? Because the Bible is our truth. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. 
For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine, carefully determine. Be discerning on what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. And sometimes we read that scripture and we think, oh, he's talking about the satanic temple. But I want to say, no, it's, it's much broader than that. And a lot of times it looks like an angel of light, and it's not. You guys tracking? Okay, so for example, I was a psychology minor in college, and I remember learning about Freud's theory of ego and consciousness. And I was a young believer at the time, and I'm like, something about this seems true. So like, what does the Bible say about what Freud is saying? I'm like, oh, Freud is just, he's not a believer, and he's trying to give language to what the Bible defines as spirit, soul, body. But he's doing it in a different way. And so I'm not putting my faith in ego and consciousness, Freudian theory. I'm putting my faith in what the Bible says, spirit, soul, body. Or like karma. You hear something like karma, like you put good energy into the world and good energy comes back to you out of the world. And you're like, something about that seems right. Something about that seems true. What is that? So you don't go to all the blogs and the podcasts and all the stuff. You go to your Bible and you say, Bible... God, what does your word say about this? Because something about this does seem a little bit true, but I don't want to follow it if it seems a certain way. I'm, I'm only following your voice. And so, God, what does your word say? Oh, your word says that since the foundation of the earth, you created um, seed time and harvest. You said that when what we um, we reap what we sow. Oh, God, so there is truth in this. It's not karma. It's the law of sowing and reaping. You guys tracking? So we build our life on the truth of the word. And we put, if something comes across us, and we're like, oh, that, it feels good. I have peace after I do this. Or I, it seems good. Something about it seems true. It's probably God's word twisted. Because that's what Satan does. You guys tracking? So Satan's a deceiver. He comes as a counterfeit. Dressed up as an angel of light, it looks harmless, and it actually oftentimes looks helpful. Wow, this is so helpful. But if it's a part, if it's receiving some kind of um, power or unseen um, force or energy or vibe, and it's not specifically grounded in Jesus, it should be a red flag. So, um, So can I talk about yoga like there's it's a, it's a gray area because there's some yoga practices that are firmly grounded in Jesus and it's a prayer meditative scripture thing along with movements that helps relax the body right and then there's another angle of yoga that is more based in hinduism or buddhism okay so what can happen oftentimes and i've seen it specifically with yoga in a lot of people i know where they start to practice yoga because, oh my gosh, the kids are crazy, and I go to the yoga studio, and it's quiet. <laughs> and I, I leave, and I feel peaceful, and I feel stronger, and I found community there, and it's like a good thing. There's nothing You think to yourself, this is good. Like, I'm more peaceful. I'm stronger. All these things are good. Um, but if you're not careful, I've seen it happen where people start to rely on that as their source of peace and comfort 
and it becomes their religion, then they say, oh, you know, I actually feel more peaceful after a yoga session than I do church, so I'm going to go to the Sunday morning yoga session instead of church. It's okay, I'm still a Christian, but, like, I just love Sunday morning yoga. And all of the sudden, three, four years later, all of the sudden, what became, what started out as this really peaceful exercise experience became a false god. And all of a sudden, they denounce Jesus, or all of a sudden, Jesus is one of many ways. You guys tracking? So we need to be aware of strangers' voices and where we prioritize them in our life. Do we even allow them to speak? Tarot cards and horoscopes and all of that. I know people that have got involved in astrology and tarot cards and um, horoscopes. And at first, it's fun and silly and, oh my gosh, wow, how did it know that? And then all of a sudden, you start building your life and making decisions based on this rather than on God's word, and it becomes a little G God, a stranger's voice in your life. And can we talk about youth sports just for a minute? I know, this is like the demigod of... <laughs> hey, we love youth sports. We're, we grew up as athletes. Our kids are very involved in a lot of sports locally. We think sports are awesome. You learn a lot. Personally, you learn how to work as a team. It's healthy for you to go outside and run instead of being on a video game. Youth sports can be great in a lot of ways. Um, but I've met so many moms. I was actually just in the bleachers with a mom the other day whose kid is in college. And she's like, oh my gosh, we were gone every week and we were doing all of these travel sports. And now all of a sudden he's in college and he's not even playing that sport in college. And we're like, why do we do all that? And as it relates to faith, like the greatest gift, I tell our kids all the time, like the greatest gift that we can give our kids as parents is a relationship with God. Like I don't care about anything. I don't care what you do. I don't care about much. But keep your relationship with the Lord strong and pure and vibrant and you're going to be fine. It's the anchor that's going to anchor your life. And so youth sports are great, but we got to be careful that it's not stealing away the opportunity for our kids to grow their faith and be in community with other kids that love God and are cheering him on. You know, middle school, high school years are the years that kids need God the most. And if travel sports is taking them out of church community in a place where they can daily or weekly be taught the word in a formal way, then we're missing it if they're going off to college and they had a lot of great experiences with sports, but they're far from God. And so we just got to be aware of where are we valuing? Is, is God number one? Out of all the things that we enjoy in life, is God number one? You guys doing good? All right, this next one. Here we go. Voice of a stranger, political idols. Can we all breathe in and breathe out? We're going into election year. And four years ago, the American church was thrown into a tornado of political idolatry. Guys, don't unhook. Putting their hope and trust in an individual or a political party to save our country. Politics is not a matter of good versus evil. Republican, Democrat is not a, a debate of good versus evil. 
There's Bible-believing, good, salt-of-the-earth people voting on both sides of the aisle because of the biblical values that their candidate stands for. A political leader, a political party will not save America. Our trust, our trust, our worship, our reliance, our source of help is not in governmental policies or leaders. Jesus, think about this, Jesus had no political control over the Roman Empire, and he still changed the entire world. And, you know, I was even thinking about this this morning. It wasn't in my notes originally, but you look at the, the last prayer that Jesus prayed right before he was betrayed, right before he prayed, Lord, if this cup can pass me. The prayer before that, it was his last, like, really long extended prayer that we have in Scripture. And he's, he's praying to the Father, God, I did what you told me to do, and I kept these people safe, and now, and then he prays for, it's like his last intercession on earth. And he's, he's, He's not praying for who's going to be the governor of Jerusalem next year. He's not praying, so Lord, really make sure this legislation passes or doesn't pass. Because that's not what's going to save the world. He's praying, Lord, may they be one with you as I am one with you. He's praying, God, may they be one with one another. May believers be so unified shows you where his hope was. So we're exhorted to pray for our leaders. We're exhorted to pray for those in power. We're exhorted in scripture to pray for our president, pray for our governors, pray for those who are making decisions that impact us. But our hope, our trust, our help does not come from them. Does that make sense? So yes, be diligent and listen to the debates and prayerfully vote and do all of those things, but don't place your hope in it. Amen. Eric shared this with me a while back. Who was it? Do you remember the name of the guy? He shared this with me, a quote. It says this, a Christianity that believes it needs political power, a president, legislation, and a nation to ensure its survival is a Christianity that actually dethrones Jesus as the actual savior of the nations and advances a belief that even Jesus needs a nation or a president or a legislation to be his savior. Our devotion, trust, worship, and affection is in God and God alone. Really, God's church is the hope of the world. What was God praying for? He was praying for us. He was praying for the church because we, the church, believers that are actually one with the Father and one with one another, are actually the hope of the world. Mark eight fifteen, Jesus charged them, the disciples, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod or the followers of Herod or other translations say of Herodians. The leaven, you put a little leaven in the bread and the whole, transforms the whole loaf, right? The leaven of the Pharisees was self-righteousness, which is another stranger's voice cloaked in religion. We didn't have time to talk about that one today. But then the leaven of the Herodians was political idolatry. They were mixing the Herodian party 
and their religious beliefs, believing that their faith was in God, but their faith was also in Herod to save Israel. A little leaven spoils the whole loaf. Jesus said it 2,000 years ago, and I echo his words, church, let's be aware of the stranger's voice, the leaven of political idolatry. Beware of the voices that say this country will crumble if so-and-so doesn't get into office. If you say things like that, then your trust is in so-and-so more than God. God has been given all authority. He operates above the realms of the kingdom of earth. He doesn't need so-and-so to be in office to save the world. You guys believe it? 2,000 years ago, Jesus saved the world outside of the realm of earthly governments. And he's still saving the world and still does not need the help of a governmental system. Let's be aware of putting our attention, I know all of our attention is going to be on political things more than it normally is this year. It's election year. We're going to be watching the debates. We're going to be, I'm not saying don't watch it and unhook, but I'm saying watch where your hope is. Let's not let our trust and our worship, our hope for help be on politicians and political parties. It's a false God promising to bring you security and bringing you only what God can bring. Church. What are the stranger voices that we are allowing into our life? We all have one that we're more susceptible to than others. Are there strangers' voices, influencing noise that you have bent your ear to or you're allowing yourself to continue to follow them and you're allowing yourself to continue to listen to the podcast or keep listening to the song because you justify it somehow? Maybe, maybe there's even a, a, a repentance that needs. Like, Lord, I'm sorry. For whatever reason, I'm um, entertained by this thought or something intrigues me about this, but I know it's putting my hope and faith and listening to a voice that's not yours, and I can see where if I continue down this path that it would be a wedge between me and you. And so, Lord, forgive me, and I turn the other way. We need to say no to the voice of self-worship, and it's everywhere in culture. And so be careful. You know, there's some, I, I, like to, I like to know, as a pastor, as a Christian, I like to know how the world thinks. So there's certain people on Instagram and certain podcasts that do, I do not follow regularly, but occasionally I'll click on them just to hear how they're talking and hear what they're emphasizing so I know how the world is thinking but not for it to influence me. But I don't follow them because I don't need their voice in my ears every day. Does that make sense? I don't listen to their podcast every day because I don't need it in my ears every day. So maybe you're like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't believe what they're saying. I just like knowing what they're saying because my friends listen to them. I'd encourage you consider unsubscribing, considering not listening to it. News anchors, whatever it is that's causing you to rely on someone else's voice other than Jesus's voice. Counterfeit spirituality. Is there something that you need to detach from? Some account you need to defollow de or however you're entertaining these ideas. A studio you need to not frequent anymore or not as frequently or locate where your heart is at that. Political idolatry. <clears throat> Gut check is, is our hope and our trust in legislation and political leaders and governmental systems, or is our hope in Jesus? Can Jesus save the world 
without the government. He already has, and he will, he will continue to. Amen. May our relationship with Jesus be pure, undefiled by the stranger's voices and influences. May we ignore the DM, the, the DM slide or whatever you call it. May we not let, not let it even come into our heart. The voice of a stranger we do not follow, but the voice of our shepherd, our good shepherd, we follow. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. And Lord, you are our one thing. We don't want any gods or voices or strangers' voices to be above you. And so, Lord, if there's things in our life, voices that we're following, that we know you wouldn't smile at, like you wouldn't be giving us a thumbs up across the room if you knew we were looking at it. Lord, give us the strength and courage to unfollow and unsubscribe and stop letting that voice influence our life. Because our faith, our trust, our hope needs to be in you and only you. Thank you, Lord, that you help us as a church. Recognize that the power to change the world is really in you and only you. And you have given your power to us, your church. Help us trust you and you alone. Lord, we love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.